Boom! What is up? Welcome back to another episode of the FPL Draft Duo podcast with myself, Nosey, and my co-host, Jaxie. Hope you're all keeping well and you got W's in Game Week 24. Little recap of Game Week 24. It was the week of scoring midfielders. Declan Rice, 17-pointer. Bruno Gamirez, two goals. Connor Gallagher, two goals. All three players probably on the waiver. If you followed us on Instagram, we recommended Connor Gallagher. So if you aren't following us already, hit that follow button. In other news, Muniz gets to start again, returning with two goals, surely cementing his spot over the recently signed Broya. As well as that, West Ham have conceded nine goals in the last two games. Throughout this podcast as well, we're going to reference the double game weeks and also the blank game weeks. As well as that, more players have returned now from the Asian Cup and the AFCON, giving you more chances to pick up those good players from the waivers. So, boom, straight into it. We have loads of questions for this podcast, which is great. First and foremost, we have to look at them blanks. I know a lot of people may know the schedule and the layout based on normal FPL. It's only recently come into draft because you can't preempt too much in the draft. You can get players in and out. I think you have to be a lot more calculated in normal because if you buy a player you might be stuck with them for 10 weeks 26 we have a blank we have liverpool spurs chelsea and luton obviously next week game week 25 we have a double we have liverpool doubling city doubling luton doubling and brentford brentford doubling thank you um 28 there is a double bournemouth double and luton double so again luton twice there um in the double and in the blank and then 29 is a massive blank game week. There is currently only three games guaranteed to be on. West Ham play Villa, Spurs play Fulham and Burnley play Brentford. There is a possibility of Forrest playing Luton. So again, that's them there again. But the majority of other games are more than likely going to be off. So I think 29 for me personally comes into it a lot more than the doubles because it might be hard to get your hands in those doublers, but it could be relatively easy to get your hands in those blank game with 29 players, and that could get you a W. If you have even nine players playing that game week 29, that could be enough to get you over the line. Like a lot of players, they'll have a lot of Liverpool assets or City assets because of the doubles that are coming up. But when it comes to game week 29, they may only have four or five players on their team. So you do need to be calculated over the next few weeks to ensure you can maximize the amount of players that you have because you could win a game in game week 29 you could win a game i'd say on 25 to oh. 25 to 35 points jeez if i had 20 man i only got about that this <laughs> week if i had 25 points game week 29 i would be delighted if i take could take that right now i'd take it in a heartbeat so with that in mind we're going to come on to our listener questions and as i said we have loads of listener questions this week and we'll relate them all back to uh, I suppose then blanks, doubles, fixtures, stats, eye test as usual. We're going to start from the bottom to the top. Questions on goalkeepers or a single question on a goalkeeper. Uh, work our way through the defence, up towards forwards and then obviously our waivers. So first question. I have Petrovic and Sanchez and I want to drop one of them for Flecken. Who do I drop? Now we discussed this at length and just looking at Flecken. And as always, when we answer these questions, although you might not have Petrovic, Sanchez or Flecken, it might give you a better understanding of maybe players you want to target or players you want to avoid. So some common questions in this week's uh, episode are about the likes of Moreno, 
Adingra, Eze. All of these players are asked in specific questions, but although we're not answering your specific question, the information that we give about the players in the question and other players that we recommend might influence your decision. The factors that come into your decision process are the same for this example as it would be if you had three different goalkeepers. It's very true. So, um, first and foremost, I suppose, with the Petrovic and Sanchez question, who do I drop, is that we came to the conclusion that we don't know. Like, personally, I think Petrovic deserves a spot. I think he's done well enough over the last couple of games, as I've said previously, to keep his spot. But at the same time, Poch could just say, well, I, you know, Sanchez is new and he deserves his spot as well or deserves to play. So, like, I can't give you a definitive answer. As we've said for a couple of these questions, like, I can't say, oh, Petrovic is definitely going to get in. If I used all the knowledge I have now, I think Petrovic will keep his spot uh, for a while, especially Sanchez getting fit. How much did Chelsea pay for Sanchez? Don't know, 30 40 million. 30 40 Standard million. For a I know Petrovic was a, a good bit cheaper than mm-hmm. him, but I know sometimes it's in the eyes of maybe not the owners of the club, yeah, yeah. pressure to play new signings, new signings 100%. So that could come into it. So, like, we can't say that oh, Petrovic played well, he's going to keep his spot because there's a lot more going on. But in terms of flecking, um, so sorry, if I had to make a decision, I would say drop Sanchez because I think Petrovic deserves a shot, but. Sanchez could come straight back in there I still think even when Sanchez is fit he's going to miss the first game and then be ease back in so I think he's supposed to be fit for 25 I still think Petrovic will start 25 and then 26 is up for grabs but with Flecken Flecken doubles in game week 25 he also does not have a blank on game week 26 okay so he's one of the few teams that blanks sorry doubles in 25 and doesn't blank in 26 and they are one of the teams that doesn't blank in 29 so in terms of fixtures Flecken's very good he also in his last two games has scored 10 and 7 respectively and has 12 saves against City and 5 saves 12 saves and an assist against um, City and 5 saves in the last game and a clean sheet so even right if you drop the wrong keeper. We've looked at the, the fixtures and Chelsea play City and then they blank. And even the, the fixtures after that are tough. So even just picking up Flecken as a general keeper or trading for him, although the fixtures look bad, well, we've seen with tough fixtures that he gets the majority of points from saves. He also has a fantastic run from game week 20, sorry, 33 to 37. And as we said, if you drop the wrong keeper, more than likely you're going to pick Flecken and start Flecken anyway. So although you might think, oh, I'm in a rut here, I'm, I might get caught. If you can pick up Flecken, I think you're going to be grand anyways. Moving on to our questions on defenders. And again, a very common question that we've saw is what to do with Moreno. And although, again, this is going to be specific to the person that answer, asked it, the idea is the same. We don't know. Yeah, I think again, Digne has been the stand, like the the starting left back. Now I know Moreno has been injured. I personally think it would be hard to keep Digne out of the team for the the rest of the season, and that's the same concept with a couple of other players that we're going to discuss. Although yes, um, Moreno might get the next game or two. Is it likely that he's going to start every game from now until the end of the season? Villa have dropped points in the last couple of game weeks as well, so maybe Emery might be might have to change it up, bring it back to when 
at the start of the season when Dina was playing, they were winning games. Hundred percent, like a catalyst. Yeah, like he, he might look at well, I I have an option of playing Digney here. Uh, I got to change something. Just like we're going to talk about later on with a particular player. Although I think Moreno is good enough to retain his position, there's a high, high chance that Digne comes back into that team. And even if he doesn't start, Moreno could get whipped. Looking at their fixtures, um, the next couple of fixtures for Villa are very, very good. What I would, what I would be looking at if I held Moreno. Because I'd have that fear that Digne is going to take a spot, I'd look at trade Moreno. Because, well, if Digne starts the next game, what do you do with Moreno? He's at an all-time low. Whereas now, people be like, oh, he's started the last couple of games. I don't think Digne is going to get back in. Uh, and the thing is, we're going to talk about it a lot when we talk about the risk to reward. The risk of trading Moreno is that, well, he starts the next game and might do well for the next three games but Villa then after three games have tough run of fixtures the 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 reward is that you trade him and he's now rotated with Digne which is a high possibility so you kind of have to cash in on the risk to reward and, and weigh up the options and have to accept the outcome that well I traded Moreno and he starts the next two games um the question is I have Robbo, Saliba, Van Hecke and Robinson from Fulham and um, what do I do Obviously, keep Rabo, Saliba. Van Hecke, Brighton have a great run of fixtures, so I'd still be keeping Van Hecke. Robinson, therefore, well, the next person on the on the block is Robinson. Um, good defender in his own right, but Fulham don't have the best fixtures. I'd be trading Robinson for some of the waivers that we recommend today. And if you're worried about Moreno, well, I'd trade him. And even trade him for a poor defender with decent fixtures or try and maybe get a double trade over the line. The likes of... Uh... Regulon with the double the doubles coming up. Increase your number of fixtures. Regulon, we've got to talk about him in the waivers. Hauled at the weekend on corners. He's a good trade where people will just see, oh well, I'm trying to get rid of him because he have double he has doubles and people think he's great. Oh, I'll get Moreno because he's good fixtures. Well, if you flip that around, um Moreno might be out of the team. Mightn't be. Uh, and Regalon is actually playing a very advanced role on some set pieces. So what might look like a bad trade could be a good trade in your favour. So I'd send out a few feelers for Moreno. If you're already worried about his minutes, well, that's going to be continuing in the future because Digne, providing he stays fit, fit, will always be challenging. He will be wanting to start left back for Villa and I presume he's going to get back in there for the majority of the yeah. season. I think if you're going to act on this now, act on it, you have to act on it now. Correct. Because if you wait till this upcoming game week, like, oh, I'll see, I'll test it out. If, if Moreno doesn't start, then I'll get rid of him next week. Mm-hmm. his valuation on the floor there you go so now is a good time to be looking at the Moreno trades next one is about Connor Bradley and what to do with him Connor Bradley's been out the last two weeks because of death in his family and so it's a bit of a funny one uh, we talked about this earlier about uh, when Foster was out with mental health issues it's not like a hamstring it's not like a, a sprained ankle it's up and very subjective it's up to the player and um, now, he's been out for the last two games and Klopp says that he can have as much time as he wants. The benefits behind Connor Bradley is that Trent has come off at 45 minutes and apparently he has pain in the same area, the knee. So again, it's a, it's a re-injury. And we saw this with Eze, we saw this with Olise. When there is a re-injury, with Reese James as well, hamstrings, you know yourself. Luke Shaw. Luke Shaw, it's, all, it's rarely just... It's it's very rarely injury, re-injured, and then fine. 
it's usually a prolonged um, issue. Therefore, uh, I definitely think keeping Connor Bradley. English defenders love getting injured. Yeah, English right backs. I would definitely be keeping Connor Bradley. I personally think um, he could be back for this weekend. This is why you need to follow on Twitter because we will be updating, especially around the pressers, updating on what the managers say. And yes, we could be saying keep Connor Bradley now, but Klopp could come out and say, no, no, he's another week or two. And then it changes. So like this week, uh, when Gomez came down with the flu, we're like, okay, Kwanzaa is now going to start. Uh, And that could only be told last minute. So make sure you're keeping up to uh, date with us on Twitter as we can give a, a more definitive answer on this. Personally, current information, I think Connor Bradley's a keep because and even when Trent comes back, there is a possibility possibility of, of Trent playing in midfield. So I would keep Connor Bradley, but also be very weary of the news that Klopp says. Next question or right backs turn into left backs and we are still talking about injuries. Luke Shaw. Uh, someone said that they're sick of holding him and the injuries are very frustrating. Um, what to do with him? Luke Shaw came off after 45 minutes and the quote was that it wasn't an injury, he was taken off as a precaution so that it wouldn't actually become an injury. But as Jaxie said, we know what Luke Shaw is like. So injury prone. That kind of screams to me that he did have an injury. He had a niggle, like, you know, it wasn't just, you know, just felt something. Well, you felt something, so you have some sort of injury. Um, What I would say with Luke Shaw is, again, keep monitoring. If he's in training today, um, when or Thursday, oh, it's only that's a Tuesday. Tuesday, yeah. If he's in training Wednesday, Thursday, I think he'll be fine. But I would have to keep updated and I'd have to wait for Ten Hag's comments. If he is training, I think he's definitely a keep because that actually influences the probability of United's clean sheet so much. We're going to talk about United's defense in the waivers, and if Shaw's not there, well, that changes the defense totally and. What looks like two good fixtures on paper now change into traps nearly. I nearly personally like players like Luke Shaw, like Isaac up front, because they're so injury prone, they give you more headaches than the reward for getting points for you. Because like Luke Shaw, you don't know whether he's gonna play or not. Personally, I'd be looking at a more steady player. Might be as have much of a higher ceiling as Luke Shaw does. Mm. Um I know Doughty with a double coming up. Could you get a trade for Shaw for Doughty? Doubt not, not right now. You doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> I know exactly what you mean though. Yeah, headaches. I have Isaac injured. What's the point? Pinnock, Brentford, double coming up. And we'll go straight on to the next question. The next question is Pinnock or King Wars of uh, Arsenal. And although Pinnock and the likes of Collins and all these Ben Mees don't look like great assets because they have very tough doubles coming up. Well, we saw it this week. City kept a clean sheet. Brentford kept a clean sheet, randomly. And Arsenal kept a clean sheet. The amount of goals that are going in, I think over the last two weekends, it's been a record. I know Game Week 23 was, wasn't it? Yeah. Game Week 23 was the most goals in a weekend of the Premier League since it started. So less and less clean sheets are coming. So what we're looking towards is returns. We said this last week. Pinnock, Ben Mee, these are boys that are always going to be aerial threats. So the question was, who would I pick? Pin, uh, Pinnock or Kingwar? And again, I'd easily pick Pinnock here because he doubles, he doesn't blank, and he has some aerial threat. Whereas when you're looking at that Arsenal defender, Tommy Yasu is back in contention. He was in contention last week, apparently. And that's why I didn't actually 
uh, recommend Quinoa because I thought, geez, this looks good on paper. Zinchenko's still out. Tomiyasu, who has been very good when he plays for Arsenal, uh, is back in contention. So if you picked him up, good, uh, Quinoa, but it might be a one-week punt. You can start him this week and hope for the best, but he's always going to be at risk. Quinoa has not started two games in a row this year. I think he started like four games and none of them have been two in a row. The likelihood, unless Tomiyasu's not ready for some reason this weekend, uh, Pinnock is the go-to man there. Next question is on Livermento, and we're really going to go back to the idea about risk to reward here. We know that Newcastle have been very, very poor defensively, and Burn in particular. So this is where the kind of idea that Livermento might get in came from. Burn got smoked the last two game weeks in a row. Six goals conceded in the last two. Six for for Newcastle, who yeah. used to be, a, you know, um, I was going to say a fortress. Home games used to be a fortress. Last season, had they they had the most clean sheets yeah. for a long, long, long. It was just nearly a guaranteed. If you had Burn, Shar, and Botman on your team last season, good luck. Guaranteed to win every week. Yeah. Um, How is also under pressure because well they're not doing as well as they they could do or they should do or maybe the expectations are so this is this looks like an obvious swap it's kind of like the Petrovic and the Sanchez where the manager might be under pressure to make particular changes I don't know if Livermento is going to get the start because Eddie Howe has previously been very loyal and Dan Byrne at times has been one of their best players I don't know if he's going to just take these two games and say okay I'm going to drop you let's look at the risk to, to reward the risk to reward here is for me the risk is that Livermento gets in and uh, you've given away one of your defenders. The likelihood that Livermento is going to play from now until the rest of the season without getting challenged from Dan Byrne is very low. He might start against Bournemouth. And if you pick him up, I think you have to pick him up with the intentions of starting him. There's no point picking him up. See, does he start against Bournemouth? He does. Oh, great. I'll start him again against Arsenal. He mightn't start again. So I think you have to go for it if you're going for it. But the risk is that, well, he doesn't start. And now you've given away one of your defenders uh, for a non-playing left back. And even if he does play, as we said, there's always going to be competition from Dan Byrne. So the likelihood the of... Last, the last three game, game weeks, he's come on. And he's got a one-pointer mm. in the last three. So that's, yeah, that's the big risk. Yeah, it, it, the big risk is that he blocks us up. If he wasn't playing, if it's one of those players where it's like, well, he doesn't play, it's like a free hit because, well, you have a player coming in. But the likelihood, as you said, Jaxie, is that he doesn't start, comes on for a one-pointer. Now, if you have a free defender, if you have someone that you weren't going to start or you're wavering anyways, I like I like the gamble because, well, there's good upside as well. Livermento's an attacking player. Maybe this is a catalyst for Livermento to get in. He has played when Dan Byrne was injured. He did play at left back. But once Dan Byrne came back and was fit, he got straight back in there. So there is upside, definitely, 100%. It's just whether it's worth giving a player away. And the question was, I have Paro, Tarkowski, Gomez and Anderson. Now, you're not going to give away Paro. Gomez um, had the flu last week. <laughs> Liverpool came down with the flu. So unless he hasn't recovered he will probably come back in and play centre back for that double and we know that Matip is out long term so Gomez is going to be a centre back for Liverpool there and they have some good fixtures coming up I don't think I risk him for Gomez 
Uh, Tarkowski and Anderson are the other two that are possibly getting the chop. Um, Tarkowski has eight clean sheets and I think it was two goals this season. As far as, oh no, one goal, one assist, I think it is. Um, so Tarkowski has a serious aerial threat. So what are you going to do? Are you going to get rid of a guaranteed starter who's got some of the most clean sheets in the Premier League this season for someone that might get in and might not? You know, I think I'd know that if Tarkowski was left off in the waiver, that it'd be very hard to pick him back up straight away. It might be taken. The other option is get rid of Anderson. And although <laughs> the stats for Anderson overall, he's I think he's still the highest scorer for... Palace in terms of FPL points but that came in a very very short space of time game week one to eight he had five returns and two of them were doubles the last time he has returned double digits double digits sorry thank you uh the last time he has returned was game week 11 with five points he has not got over I think it's three since then this might be kind of skewed because they have some very very good fixtures coming up the issue is that Gay is out for another week or two so I think Palace are very vulnerable for the next week or two. But when Gay comes back, you never know. They could solidify themselves. Anderson, we know, has the ability to assist and has the ability to return. So if you were getting rid of someone, it's going to be against Tarkowski and Anderson. And I find it very hard to get rid of one of those for a big punt. Because you're left, you possibly could be left with a non-playing player. Therefore, if you, and I know you've only given me four and you have five defenders. If, let's say, you get him in for Tarkowski and Livermento doesn't play, well, then you just Paro, Gomez and Anderson that have to play every day. And if Palace don't solidify themselves, well, then you could be in a bit of a bother. Whereas if you have Tarkowski and Anderson, they could be rotated. If that fifth midfielder is someone, or sorry, fifth defender, is someone that you want to waver out or you don't enjoy or you want to get rid of, Livermento is a good gamble but always be prepared that it is a gamble and it's not going to be consistent I just can't see Livermento getting in for the rest of the season without Dan Byrne challenging do you want to take a chance or do you want to stay patient and I suppose that's for anyone thinking of Livermento do you have to be aware of the risks that there's a high possibility that he doesn't start and even if he does there's a high possibility that he's going to get rotated in the future and our last question on defenders. What do I do with Ben Chilwell? And this was asked last week, and I think the week before. The week before that. <laughs> the week before that. I think Ben Chilwell, finally, is a drop. And I know you, you're probably saying, you could have said that two weeks ago. But again, this is the risk to reward. What happens if you drop Ben Chilwell last week against Palace, and they got a clean sheet, and somehow we got an assist? You would say, oh my God, I'm, I have a proper player here. But the reality of, his, of it is that Chilwell is playing left back in a back four where his best work came from wing back um, or when he played left back he was allowed to bomb on. He has been he has been required to do an awful lot more defensive work and he's not the best defender. Chelsea are poor at the back. And they play City and they blank. Colwell is coming back. Now he'll probably go straight in for Barriachile centre back. I think Chilwell is guaranteed a start because he's vice-captain. Yeah, I think he is guaranteed a start. It's just whether his performances justify. If you wanted to trade him, 
I think that's the best way to get rid of him. Like, I honestly don't mind a waiver at this stage. If you're in a smaller league and there's a very good defender with some good fixtures, like, don't be afraid to get rid of Chilwell now. Because looking at his stats, although he's still on some set pieces, which is probably his biggest bonus, um, he's not posting the numbers that he's he's usually been posting since he came back at all. Um, so yeah, I, I, I know it's kind of, we've waited till the last second, but that is because, well, if he returned, he's a different player. And I think you have to weigh, if a player has the ability of a high ceiling and prolong that ceiling, it's worth one more week. If um, a random defender, random defender, Roslev from Brentford scores, if you keep him one more week and he scores, okay, that's grand. People will just say, well, that was just a one-off. Mm-hmm. Ben Chilwell, keep him one more week and he scores. You're like, lovely, he's back and all this. So uh, don't be afraid to keep a high ceiling asset one more week just to see but some cost fallacy. Yeah. If it's over, it's over. And I think for Chilwell, for the time being, until we see more, especially because he essentially has two blank game weeks in City and a blank, get rid. Moving on to our midfielder questions. And the first one is Jensen or Barkley? And although we love Jensen more than a lot of players, looking at his stats and looking at his performances since, since he's came back from injury, compared to Barkley's, I think there's only one winner here. Barkley is balling out and he has two doubles coming up, as we said, in 25 and in 28. Um, Jensen has been rotated. His biggest threat is from set pieces. And now that Tony is back, it actually increases the probability. But Onienka is coming back. Janelt is playing well and Norgaard. So they have a lot of options in that center mid role. I know they play three in the middle, so there is more options. But uh, if he's getting like 60 to 70 minutes versus Barkley's 90 minutes, I know in a defender, you'd like the less minutes locking that clean sheet. But if we're looking for attack and returns, um, the more the merrier. If you're playing nearly 100 minutes, you can get an assist in the last minute and it can be beneficial. So I have to go for Barkley based on minutes, XGI and um, eye test double. Yeah. and his eye test yeah he's playing really well just a note on Brentford Wissa is coming back from international duty so that might affect the players like Maupay, Maupay. Um, Lewis Potter so just be wary of that and yeah maybe even send out a trade for Wissa I think he'll come straight back in there Wissa and Tony back up top again yeah with the help of God Wissa could go on the wing and I suppose, yeah. I think Maupay will his minutes will be. I think he got sixty something. So I have Maupay now is a good time to trade him because he has a double coming up and he has more options coming back. If they get, ah, uh, well, um, Brian Bomo, I don't think he'll be back for. Um, so that was a question. Actually, uh, we'll get onto it right now. Um, is it too early for these players? Um, so first one is Adingra. No, it's not too early. Adingra just won the Afcon. Played unbelievably, apparently, throughout the the competition. Um, now, there's another question on Adingra, and we'll go into it in, in more detail. But if you wanted to pick him up, I don't think it's too early. He might miss game week 25, but still, I think he'll be gone if not. Awobi, it's not too early, but would you pick him up? Probably not. Eze, is it too early? It's not too early, but it's going to be another two or three weeks. And again, this is a re- reoccurring injury, so... Yeah, you might have him back playing in two or three weeks, but he's going to be one of those headaches. If depends, you, depends how your team is set up. Yeah, You if can't you, have more than... As it would have to be your only flagged player. 100%. Especially coming into blanks and doubles and all that. If you want to hold Luton players or Bournemouth players on your bench for them 29s, 
well, you know, you're going to have to invest heavily in Eze. So I would probably be avoiding uh, unless I had space, which I probably don't. Uh, Oli say yes, it's too early. He's probably gone for the season until it's going to be another couple of weeks. It's don't go for Eze personally. Um, Buemo, um, I think it's too early for Buemo because I've looked up and down. Unless someone can tell me different, I haven't heard any news on him. I'm trying to look. Is he training? What's his rehab? And I can't find anything. So until I find any news, um, it's too early. I know Brentford have been struggling this season, but I think if Mbwemo can come back, Mbwemo, Tony, Wissa, they can't go, they can't go down. Yeah, now the, there's talks of uh, Mbwemo being back around March. So like, this is why I'm surprised I haven't heard much because, well, if he's back in March, you'd like to think after the big injury that he's on the pitch. Or, and this kind of goes into the last player, Nciso. Is it too early for Nciso? No, it's not, but he's been out for six months. So... We're looking at Adingra and Ciso, Buenanante, Mitoma, um, Lalana started the last day, Welbeck. So, no, it's not too early, but, well, it's Brighton. They have loads of players coming back, and he's been off for six months. What's the likelihood of him playing in Game Week 25, even? Gilmore as well. Gilmore's playing as well. Gilmore. It's, ver- it's like zero for 25. It's like a couple of percent for 26. So, like, I suppose the answer is it is too early. It's not too early in terms of him being back in the squad, but like in terms of a viable option, I think it's too early. Quickly moving on to Doku or McAllister. Fairly simple. Yeah, Doku, Doku on that. Uh, McAllister has a double, but Doku has a serious amount of upside. And although he might get rotated, he could haul on any given day. So I think that's a kind of a bit of a no-brainer. Yeah. Um, and again, in attacking positions, playing with better players. He's going to be in headache if you have him like full stop. Yeah, I have him in one draft and it's not the most enjoyable to own. You're always kind of worrying about him. But exciting if he's like your fifth midfielder, that fourth or fifth midfielder that you have. Um, so fairly simple, I'd go for Doku. On to our strikers. Question about strikers. Very little on the waiver as usual, but we have a couple. Uh, question is, I want to get a warning. Who do I drop? Broya or Werner? And as we said at the start of the podcast, Muniz got the start and two goals and an assist, I'm nearly sure. Yeah. He got the assist on fantasy. Um, which yep. so that's three goals in the last two games. Yeah, three goals in the last two games. He's nailed down uh, another start. It's kind of like he's got that fire in his belly that he's got someone up his, up his arse that he has to keep going. And I'm delighted for him because I remember watching him against United way back in the season I was like he's a good player and I presumed as I said last week that once Broya comes in fortunately it's time up or whatever but uh, he's hit the ground running since Broya's come in so um, if we look at them side by side Broya I still think even if he gets in he might get more minutes it's not even guaranteed anymore uh, if you asked me last week I'd say oh yeah Broya will get more minutes um, but Werner although he won't get that many minutes he's playing in that Spurs side who, as you said, Jaxie, are on the... I think her is the record? Is the it? record is Arsenal with the most uh, or most consecutive games scoring a goal. Second, I think, is United in 07-08. And then Spurs, currently... Yeah, they're been still on since, first. I think they're tied with United. Okay. Um, since March of last year, they've scored in every Premier League game. So both of them are, are minutes risks currently because Son is back, Kulisewski's back... Johnson is playing, Madison's playing, Richardson's playing. So Werner is uh, minutes risk, 
But as you said earlier, Jaxie, that Spurs, until the 95th minute, regardless of the score, will go for it. So if Werner comes on for the last 20 minutes, he's just as likely to get as many good chances at Broya in like 60, 70 minutes. So you always probably want to go with the best team, even if they're only playing 30, 40 minutes, and he might get a start in and out. You know what I mean? So I think you have to go with the, the XG over the X minutes. Yep. Um, with that one. And then our last and final question is a trade. Who would you go for? Romero and Wilson? Or Van Dyke? Van <laughs> Virgil Dyke. Van Dyke. VVD, rather than Van de Ven, who I thought earlier. Van Dyke and Wood. So essentially what you have there is a starting centre-back for a team that concedes a lot and you have a striker who is at risk but will still get minutes from the bench and probably still get returns versus a defender who has a double game weekend at a blank and still been not that solid aerial threat and a striker who doesn't play and I think we were both unanimous in saying we'd probably take Romero and Wilson the two players for the Van Dyke, and hopefully you'll agree if you're listening in 100% yeah Romero does have that aerial threat as well um, Wilson Isaac's been injured Wilson will get the start Isaac, uh, Wilson, I think, will get the start for the next two or three game weeks. And then, as we saw at the start of the season, comes on for a half an hour, bangs a goal. So, you're getting... Um, yeah, and although Chris Wood played very well yeah, when in his cameo appearance yeah. when Amoni was gone, but I can't see Amoni losing his spot now for the next for the rest of the season. 100%. And Forrest has some very, very good fixtures. So, if you're looking at Amoni, as the previous fellow was, definitely great option. On to our waiver section of the podcast... And we'll start off with keepers. And although there's not a clear keeper on the waiver, Ariola was very poor against Arsenal. I don't know if that's going to be a catalyst for him getting rotated because Fabianski has played a couple of games, mainly due to Ariola's injuries. But if you have a non-playing keeper, if you're looking to upgrade, why not have a go at Fabianski? He's going to be on the majority of waivers. And if he plays and does well, he has enough respect with the West Ham fans and Moyes to keep his spot so if he gets in there and plays well there's no reason why he'll keep it or wouldn't keep it for the rest of the season and at the start of the season there was big question marks over who would get the start so it is a toss-up Ariola has been good at times but also been very dodgy especially for a couple of those West Ham goals or sorry Arsenal goals Um, and I suppose Declan Rice has to be mentioned now that we talk about it Declan Rice with some of the best balls of the season against James Ward-Prowse, which is hilarious. They buy James Ward-Prowse in replacement of Declan Rice and he puts in Prowse-esque free kicks. Yeah. Um, West Ham had one shot on target. Is that what it was? The whole game. Wow. So Declan Rice has to get a little special mention. You said he's... 17-pointer. He scored more than Bruno Fernandes? More than Bruno Fernandes, more than Bailey, and more than... Bruno Gamares as well, I think. Wow, crazy. There's a, there's a couple of more bigger names in that list. I can't remember them now, but Bailey was the one that stood out and Bruno Fernandes. Yeah, crazy. Um, right, our defenders. Top of our list. I don't know if I would put them top. I don't know how we're going to rank these, but Maguire. He's the first name on the list, we'll say. Um, Maguire got an assist the last day. Is always in and around the box. Never really seems to get... A- a, sh- a strong shot on target but gets to the ball uh, he did that to get an assist for Hoyland um, so he has good area threat they play Luton and Fulham in the next two games now we talked about Luke Shaw and if he's injured 
That could mean Lindelof to left back because Wan-Bissaka is currently injured and, and Evans and Maguire centre back. That heavily affects the probability of the clean sheet and hopefully his aerial threat will remain the same but if we're trying to combine the two threat versus or multiplied by um, uh, his probability of a clean sheet that reduces slightly but I'd still think he's a good pick for the next two games. He's also, funny enough, uh, Maguire is very, very good on the bonus. If United keep a clean sheet, he's usually in and around for a one or two point bonus. Because he's always on the ball. Literally, back and forward, back, uh, get the passes percentage complete up yeah. everything. <laughs> Next on the list is Matty Cash. Matty Cash back in the FPL discussion once again. He is going to probably be playing the next three games because Kanza is out injured and it looks like another month for Kanza. Uh, they play Fulham, Forrest and Luton. So I'd like to pick up Cash probably over Maguire for the next three. Just because they have an extra fixture essentially. An extra easy fixture. And he plays it right back and probably a higher probability of returning in some shape or form. We know what Cash is like. Unbelievably underwhelming at the start of the season. Uh, or well, middle of the season after having a good start. So yeah, although he looks like unbelievable no-brainer on paper... Expect to be disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> um, if we are looking at attacking teams that are poor at set pieces, Spurs conceded to Everton last minute against Brathwaite. A Brathwaite, I don't know if it was a header, it was like a flick on, wasn't it? Flick, yeah. Oh, no, he flicked at the back post, wasn't it? I don't know. My, yeah. my hands were in my face. So yeah, I yeah. I didn't watch the highlights or the replays. <laughs> so the likes of Dawson and Kilman are good options for Wolves against Spurs this week. Now, if you're looking further ahead, they play Sheffield in 26, 28, they play Fulham, and from 33 onwards, they have some very, very good fixtures. So Wolves' assets are good to get, and I'd probably be getting them early. I know they play Spurs, and Spurs are probably going to score a few goals. If I was going longer term, which I you know, probably want to do, maximise the amount of games you could use them in, I'd be going for Eight Nori. Eight Nori, we talked about him at length last week, and... There was times where he was a very, very good FPL asset. Yeah, Wolves boys for the next while are going to be very good. Again, if you're being an efficient draft manager, you should be planning ahead and getting a couple of Bournemouth players, the likes of Senesi, more specifically, some very, very good aerial threat and what a finish last weekend. They play Newcastle and Man City, two very tough fixtures, but after that, from 27 to 32, they have some very good fixtures. They play Burnley, Sheffield and Luton twice. They also double in 28 and they don't blank in 29. So I think going for a Bournemouth defender or a couple of midfielders who we'll talk about could be a very, very good option. On to our midfielder section of the waivers. And the first name we have here is Bruno Camares. Now, he is a bit of a cult hero. He's been good in the past for the FPL draft. And he got two goals in the last game. He's got two goals and two assists in his last four games. And Newcastle have a fantastic run of fixtures. One of the best run of fixtures from now until the end of the game. Or end of the game week 38. End of the season. Uh, end of the season. Thank you, Jeff Malone. <laughs> um, as well as Bournemouth. I think them two are top of for like green fixtures. So Bruno G is very hot right now. Hot right now. And uh, the asterisk is what, Jack Malone? So... Bruno Gomez, as we're all well aware, he's quite an aggressive player. Tends to pick up a lot of yellow cards. Nine, in fact, this season. So if he does pick up one more yellow card, 
he will be suspended for two games. So although, yeah, look, looking great now, great asset. If he gets another yellow card, he's gone. He's gone. So yeah, he's bottom of the list because of that reason. I think he's going to be a very good asset because he's nailed in that Newcastle side, but give it three games, four games, and he's going to get a yellow card. So you can still pick him up and just wait until he gets a yellow card, and then whenever that goes, just get rid. But yeah, decent option, decent option. Moving along, and kind of his counterpart is Longstaff. Um, he got the two goals the week before. So if you don't want that risk of Bruno Gamares and you want a bigger, more physical player, uh, Sean, it's Shawnee, isn't it? Sean Longstaff. Sean yeah. Longstaff um, is also probably going to be on the waiver. If we're looking for more attacking players, I have three names down and I suppose we'll rank these kind of three mid-waivers and we'll talk about two other short-term punts after that. Gibbs White, Tavernier and Sarabia. I suppose... It's easy to put Sarabia at the bottom. Why? Cunha's... Well, Cunha's injury, it's not that bad. It's just a bit of a niggle. A niggle in a hamstring. and that, Them feckin' hamstrings, we know what they're like. But we don't know exactly. We have not confirmed, or has been not confirmed, um, what the injury is or how bad it is. Yeah. So if Cunha is out for a couple of weeks, Sarabia, very good pickup because as we talked about, Wolves have some good fixtures. The thing is, though, Huang is back, although he is flagged at the moment. He has an eagle after coming back from the Asian Cup. So, Sarabia has played very, very well in Huang's absence. But there is that risk that when Huang's back in, Sarabia will just be out. Yeah, that's if Cunha's okay, that's just going to be kind of straightforward. But the thing is, if Cunha's not, well then we have Sarabia, Neto and He-Chan. He-Chan, for the record, should be good for this game week. Apparently, it's nothing major and it should be sorted. Probably just wanted to rest him for the yeah, first game back. Honestly. Um, the other two options are Tavernier and Gibbs White and Tavernier and Gibbs White both have fantastic fixtures from now until the end of the season Tavernier has that added benefit of the double um, in both 28 28 and the game in 29 so you're you're getting some extra fixtures over the short term Gibbs White his recent performance 0.52 XGI on corners, Awoni, Alanga, Hudson Odoi now seeming to gel together. I like him as I like him as an option. If there was obviously equal games, I'd be going for Gibbs White. I think if you want to attack the fixtures and the number of fixtures, Tavernier is good. He has been got he has been rotated over the last couple of game weeks and Gibbs White is more nailed. So I think we'd have to put them Sarabia bottom, Tavernier middle and Gibbs White unless you need the fixtures on top our last two midfield waiver suggestions are our boy Adingra Uh, a lot of questions in about him I presume he's going to miss 25 so they won what a couple of days ago two Two, three days ago two days ago Um, I presume that he's going to be celebrating and even if he's back Buenanante as we said they have so many options so I think Fatty is back now Fatty is back so I think although yeah a lot of people will get him in I don't know if I would be personally because he's going to miss 25 and he's three good fixtures in a row then Everton, Fulham and Forest. how many minutes does he get over them I don't even know if he gets 180 minutes over the next four game weeks so like are you going to bring in a player Maxos is probably a better option than Edingra I think so even if Maxos doesn't start more likely of him getting a return and if you look at uh, Brighton's fixtures they are decent over the short term but over the long term I think they have like four or five tough fixtures there so, what, you're going to pick up Adingra, who's going to be rotated, and then 
and then um, also with tough fixtures. So although we have him on the waivers here, I think it's more to talk about why I wouldn't waiver him. Um, if he does start 26, then I think he could be an option. But for now, I think I'd hold off and, and, and leave it and assess. Brighton just have too many options. That's the problem. Now, if we look back at his, his minutes prior to the AFCON, he was a nail-down starter. So if there is positive comments on Adingra and he looks like he's going to be a nail-down starter again, I think the form that he's in, he's definitely worth the pick-up. But if you're picking him up early, if you're picking him up this week, it's a risk. I think he's going to miss 25 and you're taking the chance that he gets straight back in. So high, re high reward, high risk for Adingra. And then our boy McNeil has a one-week punt against Palace. We talked at length about Palace and Anderson. I think for this game week, they're still going to be leaky. Gay out, Olise and Eze, don't, they don't have that firepower to counter-attack. Therefore, they're limited in what they can do on the counter. They'll be taking on a lot of pressure. Yeah, and they won't have that. Their midfield, they're not able to play the ball around as well as Eze and Elise can. So they will be taking on a lot, a lot of pressure. A lot of pressure. Therefore, the teams won't be afraid that, oh shit, we have to hold back and counter because Elise and Eze are there. Therefore, I still think they're going to be very vulnerable. And hopefully our boy McNeil. Harrison actually has been playing more advanced. So if you haven't biased like us, Harrison's probably a better pick. But it's McNeil. And oh DCL, although like City, City are City, I did think DCL played very well. So there is a possibility. Look, this is just a hypothetical scenario <laughs> yeah. playing in my head. But McNeil into DCL, DCL goal. You heard it here first. I, I literally <laughs> feel that happens. <laughs> and on to our forwards. Very little as usual. But top of the list, if he's available, Danny Welbeck. We've talked about Brighton assets, but up top, he won the penalty, played well. Um, Joe Pedro has now got injured for the foreseeable future, so he's more nailed down. And although there's a lot of rotation on the wings in the midfield, I think Danny Welbeck, the next couple of games, is going to be his most productive time in terms of minutes anyways. If we're looking at other players, if you followers, followed us on Twitter, you saw a lot about Unal. Uh, Ernest Unal, who came on loan to Bournemouth from... From Not Getafe, no? It was Getafe, thank you. Getafe. Played 35 times last season, scored 14 goals, 3 assists. Now, I'm not saying that he's going to get in there, but he has the ability to start in that Bournemouth team. And if you have a non-playing striker, I think he's worth a pick-up because if he gets in, let's say, as a number 10, which he could play that role, he's major majority of the time he's played as a striker. So he does have tough competition in Solanke. But if you have a non-playing striker, you have the possibility of getting a player that's playing in um, a double in 28 and then has a fixture in 29. Therefore, if you have a non-playing striker, it's a very low risk and a, a slightly high reward over the next 5-10 game weeks. And then Antonio is back in training. Lack of match fitness, it says on fantasy football, but you know, he always looks like he has a lack of match fitness. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I think, again, because Moyes is under pressure, he might want that big man up top. We know what Moyes is like. When he has a team that does well, he likes to stick to it. That could mean Bowen back yeah, on the Bowen wing. Bowen back on the wing, yeah. yeah. Um, so, again, if I was looking at non-playing strikers, I would put probably Antonio above Unal because he's a bit more solid and, and settled. Unal has a, a high upside, but the problem is that 
well, if he's directly up against Lanke, it's going to be very tough to get in there. He'll have to probably play as a number 10 or a second striker, which they don't do that often. Boom. Loads of questions answered. Couple of trades, waivers. So hopefully we get that W in game week 25 and the foreseeable. FPL draft, yo, out. Boom. Boom. Yart.